Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. I've invited a guest to be with me today. Her name is Amy Bovaird, and Amy has an, an interesting and compelling story that illustrates many of the principles that we talk about here on the show. Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio, Amy. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. You have a story that you've shared with a lot of people. You're a speaker. Uh, you're an author. I think you've just uh, completed your third book. Is that right? Yes. And mm-hmm. you're, you're spreading a message that is so consistent with Live On Purpose Radio that I just had to have you here. So I'm thrilled that you're with us today. Amy, can you share with our listeners a little bit about your story? The, Set it up for us, will you? Okay. Well, the I begin with I'm a traveler and I love to go overseas. So I decided to become an English as a second language teacher and live and experience life in all different kinds of cultures. Mm-hmm. I had been teaching overseas for about three years. When I came back, I, uh, and I said, I really need to have stronger glasses. And I had gotten a, uh, I had gotten a job in Indonesia, which is across the, the world from where I had been living before in, in Latin America. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, I'm just going to make a stop, get these stronger glasses and be on my way. I was going to teach, uh, uh, teach some students that were selected by the government mm-hmm. to lead different programs so as I stopped at the doctors it was it was a two-day stop more than more than I thought it was just uh, glasses. Oh. that is when I found out I had to, uh, that I was dealing with a little bit more than new glasses I uh, had uh, t- taken a lot of tests and I had told them that I felt like I was like night blind and that was kind of a to my doctor that there was mm. something else going on. After yes. two days of testing, I had the doctor, the doctor sat me down and said, you have an incurable hereditary disease called retinitis pigmentosa. It's very rare. Only one at that time, one in a hundred thousand people had it. Mm. And I, and he said, we don't know when you're going to lose your vision, but it's aggressive. It starts with night blindness. And it continues to uh, narrow to what they call tunnel vision and then Mm -hmm. to no or little vision, little or no vision. Mm -hmm. And so he said, we don't know exactly when this is going to happen, but it's going to happen. And I said, oh, oh, okay. Oh, are you sure you have the right chart? And so we uh so I left that day just kind of com- completely confused. I didn't know what I was going to do if I was going to continue to go to Indonesia to teach. So I took a couple of weeks 
And I went to my room. I prayed about it. I told everybody I knew. <laughs> and, you know, it was just like this, this very weird period. And then I felt like when I read this scripture in the Bible where they, they said God told Abram to go ahead, to go to a land that he was going to show them and that he would take care of them and make him a father of many nations. And I said, you know what? God can take care of me too if I if I choose to go there. And I already had this job. It was the most exotic job I ever had. So I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to trust God. If I'm going to lose my vision there, he's going to take care of me. So the first day I left, I when I arrived, I after this very long day, I went up these stairs. It was 18 steps. At the top of the steps, I tripped. And I, I fell down all 18 steps. Ooh. And I said to myself, is this the day I'm going, is this the day I'm going blind? Uh. <laughs> but um, it wasn't. And in fact, it was so gradual for me. It, for everyone, it's different. But mm-hmm. for me, it was a very gradual uh, process of loss. But I could continue to adapt. And I went on to teach for another 20 years in different countries. So it was a really good decision for me. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I decided that I was just going to go ahead and live my life and see what was going to happen. And, whoa, whoa, and, whoa. Hang on, Amy. So you're saying that it's a choice. You can just decide to go on and live your life as if it's a choice. Absolutely. Yeah. Ah. Uh, I know, right? What, what what a realization. As you're sharing your story, Amy, I'm connecting with this on multiple levels. I, I shared with you before our chat here on the mics that I have a brother-in-law who has the same condition. And I've watched him gradually over the years lose his vision which has been a challenging situation for him, but he has made a similar choice that you just shared with, with us that you can choose to go on living and it doesn't have to stop you from receiving the joyful opportunities that are available to you in such abundance. And so I had to stop you to emphasize that point, you are spot on with this and it, it fits exactly with everything that I've heard from people that I've interviewed on this show before, that we have a choice and it's really our attitude. I think you wrote a book about this or I saw it on your website, I can't remember, about a 2020 attitude. Yes, yeah, that's one of my taglines, yes. It, we choose how we're going to respond to something. And the more positive that we can respond, the more that we can learn, the more that we can put others at ease, you Mm. know. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're happy about what you just found out. When you got this diagnosis, I'm sure it was, it was a blow. Yeah. But we moved past and beyond that into a choice of how we're going to handle it now moving forward. Yes. And I had my challenges crossing streets and uh, going, I, I traveled to over 33 different countries in these 20 year 
this over this 20 year period. So I mean, I've had my challenges, and I've run into cement walls. I've uh, fallen down a few stairs, and I've uh, always uh, it's always an adventure crossing streets overseas. Oh, I imagine. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I've always found so many uh, so many exciting uh, rewards for this that that I'm just so glad I made that choice. And I didn't miss out on all of these experiences, maybe because I found out that I was losing my vision. I just so appreciated the the culture, cultures and the people, my students, all of the experiences that I've had. And I would never trade it, mm-hmm. you know, to, you know, sit and wait for some, you know, the diagnosis to, to play out. So Right. When we get something like this, when we get a diagnosis or a surprise shows up in our life, and I think of it sometimes as a surprise, you know, some surprises are pleasant and some some surprises are not so much, Uh, but we all have them. Would you agree with that? Yes. Mm -hmm. And the choice, as you so artfully described, the choice comes in how we move forward in the context of whatever surprise just showed up. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, Amy, that through your experience, you have learned some principles about how people can make that choice, and you've practiced it yourself. Share with us some of what, what you've learned about that. How do we take yeah. something like this on in a positive way? Yeah. Well, I think the first step is to get help, is to talk to somebody who knows about your condition, is to find out what your options are. So you need to find out as much as you can about what you have and how, what you can do about it. So you need someone who understands you. You need to, to seek others who who may have it, if you are ready for it, you know, there, there's a, always a time to grieve. And then you, and you need to take that time to grieve, but you also, after a time, you need to say, okay, I'm grieving. Now, what am I going to do about this? And then, the, the, so you need to seek help and to find out what you can about it and stay up to date on everything. And then on, on, on what's happening with, with whatever you're going through. And the second thing is that I've learned is in moving forward, you need to get tools. And the tool for me was uh, speaking to my counselor and uh, speaking to a rehab person and mm-hmm. seeing that there were things that I could do that, that could help me once I started to accept some of these scary words like blind, uh, white pain. Those words are really, really scary to someone who's losing their vision. That because of the way that people would they they suspect we people will respond to them, and and really how we respond to those words ourselves and what our ideas are about that. Right. And then the third thing is I know that God is always with me, and so I learned during my mobility training. At first, I I wasn't open to it. And I wanted to continue to keep my condition a secret because I felt that I was very, um, 
uh, I think that it's very common to feel that, of course, you're very clumsy and you're less than someone else and whatever. You have to start to accept who you are as the person that you are. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I reached a point where it finally became imperative that I needed to do something about this, that I was either going to walk, uh, I was going to get help or I was going to walk into, you know, I was going to be thought to be the, 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 the town um, drunk or something. Hmm. So I just said, right, it's, it's time now. I need to do this. And I, my uh, mobility instructor was completely blind to himself, and he was rather unusual in that aspect. But he modeled so many positive characteristics and ways to respond that I, I warmed right up to him. And I started learning that it's the same world, whether we, we see visually or non-visually. And it was such an eye-opening uh, experience to know that I, could, I was no less safe using my non-visual techniques than I was using visual techniques. And I just, it all had to do with learning the way to use a cane to make myself safe. And instead of taking away my freedom, it gave me freedom and independence. Ah, that was a huge lesson. That is yeah. a game changer. Amy, just that shift of perspective can make Mm -hmm. such a huge difference. I think you've introduced some really important principles that as we come back from this break, we can dig into that and see what it means for all of us as we face our challenges and our surprises. Folks, this is Amy Bovaird at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Do you dream of making a bigger difference more of the time? Have you thought about life coaching as something that you would like to offer? If you are an influencer or a speaker or a leader or a coach, this webinar is for you. In this webinar, I'll share with you seven important clarities that are absolutely essential to setting up a successful life coaching practice. If you're ready to take some courageous steps to add life coaching to the services you offer your clients, register now at liveonpurpose.coach forward slash webinar. That's liveonpurpose.coach.com forward slash webinar. And we're back. Amy Bilverde at Live On Purpose Radio. Amy, you've gone through an experience that is uncommon with this condition that is gradually but very certainly taking your vision. That's just an example of, of one of the losses that we might experience as human beings there's a whole variety of things that come up and it occurred to me as we were talking that maybe this isn't the only loss in your life either. That's correct. I've gone through a lot of different losses uh, that, uh, that are uh, different from vision loss. Yes. But I'm guessing also that the principles you've learned as you've coped with over these past couple of decades uh, this vision loss, it's taught you some things that I think can be applied to almost any loss that we might experience. Is, 
Is that what you've experienced? Tell us about that. Yes. When I lived in the United Arab Emirates, I had uh, uh, I was married to an Egyptian at the time, and I went through. Uh, we we got pregnant with twins, and oh. early in my pregnancy, I was well. It wasn't really that early in my pregnancy. Probably it, it didn't come to head until about twenty weeks into it. But I found out that I had preeclampsia, and I had to be rushed to the hospital and I ended up staying in the hospital for six weeks with, I had lost one twin and was trying to carry the second twin to term. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that a lot of the same things happened to me with, with my, my vision loss that I had to, to be in a situation that I wasn't comfortable. I had to be where the language was not English the principal language was not English. <laughs> it was Arabic, right. Urdu, Hindi. And so I was in a multicultural hospital. I was by myself. But I felt that there were people around that could encourage me. And in fact, the thing, once I started getting over the fear of people losing their babies, I was in a ward where, where I called it the poverty pregnancy ward, where almost uh, all the women seem to be in some throes of miscarriage or some very difficult situation. Mm-hmm. And I realized very soon that uh, I was going to be here for a while and that I, uh, I could comfort them. And because I wasn't in any pain, but they seemed to be in pain. And so I found out that what, maybe one of the purposes that I was in this wing was to encourage other women who were going through the same thing I was. Oh and, yeah, and I, I started to have like a uh, people brought me books in and and cassette, uh, not cassette CDs and different things and flowers. And so I sort of became like the 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 like the welcome committee for this because the women came and left and I stayed there. So I was the one that got to know all the the little ins and outs and what the nurses do and what they expect. So. I kind of became the the one that uh, tells people what to do and and uh, and gives them a welcome flower and mm-hmm. you know it seems like God showed me that I can I could had a purpose there and uh, and that and I, I I mean I encouraged a woman who uh, uh, who had uh, oh uh, what's her name she she was uh, from uh, anyway a different a different um, culture and mm-hmm. she was afraid that her baby was going to be born deformed and she was not and that was so positive for everybody on the floor in the ward so mm-hmm. that was a, a real positive thing and, and 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 although my in my situation it didn't end up that way but I was able to bond with a lot of people and there was always some kind of uh help when I needed it the most when I was like really discouraged so I found that that there was that, that I always had people around me to encourage me, and so I could always encourage others was a big thing. And again, attitude was a big uh, plus for me. I was the sort of the cheery one, <laughs> in the, mm-hmm. in the and um, yeah. And I think just going through going through a, a divorce that was very difficult for me. But I found again that that I wanted to keep a positive. Uh, relationship with my ex-husband because we worked at the same school and I wanted and I thought we need to we need to be 
professional and we need to mm-hmm. uh, to to live to live companion <laughs> so and yeah. also my that was my uh, I felt like that was that I would again that would be my uh, what's, what's the word that I may be one of the few one of the um, few influences on him so mm-hmm. I wanted to be a positive influence and it seemed like all the all of the losses that I went through, even the loss of my father when I was living overseas, uh, what God always placed me in the right place at the right time. And even we weren't even sure about if I would make it home for my father. And it's like my father waited for me. <laughs> mm. So I felt like God, all, God's timing was always right. And that I was always able to move forward positively and to, you know, to, to do the things I needed to do. Yes. I can tell in talking to you, Amy, that your faith has been a very strong factor for you in dealing with some of the losses that you've encountered. And it, it makes sense to me that we have to have a belief system that enables us to take the perspectives that you've shared here today, that the circumstances for whatever reason, are perfect for you. And that's mm-hmm. kind of a big, big pill to swallow sometime, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And it, it's kind of, it, it's like taking a look back. It doesn't, it's not always apparent at the time, but looking back, I, I learned to trust that the timing of when things happen and that I can always uh, apply something positive from it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and also, sense of humor is a big is a is a big thing for me. Just yes. like that, to keep me resilient. Well, you've heard probably the phrase that you you either laugh or cry. Pick one of those. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and going to have our fair share of crying because some of this is just painful and difficult. And like you said earlier, I thought this was. So accurate. We have to go through a grieving period. Yes. And yes. that's normal. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean anything mm-hmm. wrong with you. It's mm-hmm. part of being a human being. Yeah. And then as you get the perspective on whatever your circumstances are, uh, using some humor, uh, staying of good cheer, uh, I think mm-hmm. is. It's a challenge, but wow, it sure changes the game, doesn't it? It does. I have a um, when I talk when I talk to different people, different groups. I have an, uh, a like a, a, a um, how would you call it? Like apply G, <laughs> and oh. it has to do with attitude, uh, positive thinking, um, laughter, uh, uh, saying yes to your, changing your environment to, to a more positive environment, and going back to gratitude going and always applying gratitude that uh so this is one of the things that i say is is also a game changer is thinking about what you're going through and filtering it through these different lenses talk a little bit more about that gratitude tool i think that's powerful and i've heard this from so many people What's the value of that, and how do we actually apply that kind of a filter when something is so difficult as losing our vision, for example? Well, 
Well, let me just tell you a story in response to that. Okay. The, uh, the when I was uh, when I was uh, climbing a mountain, I climbed Mount Fuji, and I was climbing and climbing and climbing, and I I uh, I thought I'm never going to reach this top, the top of this mountain, and I fell. And I said, Oh God, I fell! You didn't think you didn't say I was going to fall. And then I realized that it was <laughs> that all of these people where they were telling me, like these older people, they were going very fast up this mountain. And they said, do your best. Gambate Kurisai, do your best, do your best. And the thing is, they were so, uh, so spry and so encouraging. So when I fell, I was just like, huh, what is this? But I didn't get hurt. And I didn't, uh, I didn't, uh, when I got lost, I found somebody to help me down the mountain and all these things. And all of a sudden, all of that gratitude came together. And I said, wow, I am so lucky. I climbed this mountain that people are not, it took like uh, 12 hours. And so, of course, I was in the dark. Mm. And people, are, people don't normally do this who, with, who are night blind. And I, uh, I fell and didn't get hurt. And... I met somebody and spoke in Japanese and, and found a place to go to the bathroom all at the same time. <laughs> so oh, wow. I think that the applying the gratitude is just looking to see where your circumstances were, were, were good. And then the rest of it kind of falls mm-hmm. away like I did. <laughs> it's amazing the power of the human mind when we do that, Amy, when we ask ourselves to look for what's good here. Our mind can mm-hmm. find it, but if we're constantly focused on what's wrong, mm-hmm. there's not any space for our mind to look for what's good. So it's a it's simply a choice. We instruct our mind to look for that. That's powerful. Maybe there's, there's so many fascinating things about your experience. You share this in several ways. I mentioned that you've written a few books. Uh, you're available for speaking engagements and, and sharing your message from the stage. How do people get a hold of you? Okay. They can either get a hold of me through my website, which is amybovaird.com. It's A-M-Y-B-O-V-A-I-R-D.com. Or Amazon. Uh, my books are available on Amazon.com. They're available at audible.com. And also um iTunes I have them in audio in uh large print regular print I'm I'm trying to Wonderful. encourage other people who have who have to struggle with their vein with vein with a with a cane with uh-huh. a cane and so you you speak specifically to vision loss but you've also got application there for like we've talked about on this podcast that these principles can apply in almost any circumstance where you might find yourself dealing with a loss or one of these lifetime surprises. Yes. Mm -hmm. Amy, thank you so much for your contributions here today, folks. This is Amy Bovaird, spelled B-O-V-A-I-R-D. There's a .com for that where you can find her and her books. Thank you so much for joining us today, Amy. Well, thank you. You guys have heard it now. It's time to go live on purpose. Mm -hmm.